Good morning, First Baptist. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. So I grew up a pastor's kid. I'm still a pastor's kid. And I just remember how hectic and crazy Sunday mornings could be, I know, for our family. And I know probably some of you experienced that as well. I experienced it this morning, actually. And it's just so funny how the enemy will try to use those little things to just try to distract us from having a good time in the Lord. But I'm thankful that the Lord is good and he's on his throne and we're here to worship him this morning. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to start with a song of worship. my heart.
Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we're delighted that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. And one of the ways that we do that is through the guest registration card that's located there in your pew rack. Um, if you could just take that and fill it out real quick. Then at the end of our service, you can go to the Welcome Center and just drop that off with our pastor or another person there. We have a small gift for you. And it's just a way that we can kind of get to know each other better. You can introduce yourself and your family. We can get to know you get you some information about our church. As we start our service, we want to highlight kind of two things that are going on. The first one is this. We have a hundred students and leaders in Pigeon Forge right now for the Strength to Stand conference. So we're grateful for Tim Hensick, our student pastor, and uh, our students who are there. And so we want to be mindful of them, praying for them. We know that they're probably worshiping right now and hearing from the word. And so we're looking forward to hearing back about what God has done through this conference. And so be sure to pray for them. And then also today is a day when we pause, reflect, celebrate, and honor the sanctity of human life. Here in just a minute, we're going to watch a video that kind of highlights the sanctity of human life and tells us a little bit about Life Choices Pregnancy Center. And then after the video, my friend Nancy Simpson is going to come up and talk to us a little bit. So let's uh, turn our attention to the screen as we watch this video, and then Nancy, you can come right up. In a society of darkness, sometimes your light seems very small. So many judgments, so much pain, so many issues that are empty, like abortion. You know that God created this precious life that was created from the beginning. When you hear about over one million abortions each year in the U.S., your first reaction is obviously, we feel compassion for you and accept your choices, but this won't be for abortion. We want to do something. My name is Nancy Simpson. I have the blessing of being a member here at First Baptist with you and also the privilege of being the site director at the Coffee County Life Choices site. And we are located at 300 West Fort Street, just across from the square. And we are a faith-based, nonprofit, pro-life ministry. And this church has been a wonderful supporter of Life Choices. You support us financially as part of the church budget, and some of you have given individually. And we've been the beneficiary of the Serve Coffee County projects, and y'all have provided improvements to our facility, both inside and out. And some of you have completed projects like that also individually. <clears throat> For our baby boutique, you've sewn burp claws or crocheted blankets or made quilts, and you've prayed over those items before you've given them to us. You've given diapers and wipes and car seats, and some of you have, used your, have donated your own gently used baby items. You've volunteered to be client advocates for our mothers, fathers, and children. You're wonderful. And I believe the motivation behind your support is that you already know about the sanctity of human life. As Christ followers, we know stuff, don't we? 
We have God's word, and we see in Genesis that God is the creator and the giver of life, and he makes people in his own image. Psalm 127 tells us that children are a gift from the Lord, and Psalm 139 tells us that God, it's God that's knitting a child together in the womb, and that child is fearfully and wonderfully made. And we know from Proverbs 18 that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. We know stuff. But the video this morning has reminded us that there's a broken world out there that does not know about the sanctity of life. According to the World Health Organization, in 2020, there were 42.7 million abortions worldwide. 42.7 million image bearers of God had their physical life ended in the womb. In the United States, Heartbeat International tells us that approximately 3,000 women per day choose abortion. And here in Coffee County, we do take phone calls or have conversations with young women that tell us that they need an abortion. It's not their first one. They know what they're doing, and they don't want to hear anything else. But these women and men that are making these abortion decisions are left to live with regret and heartache. And they need to know that with the Lord, that there is forgiveness and healing. At Life Choices, our purpose is to share God's truth in love and to be faithful until he brings about the day when abortion is unthinkable. Our theme for 2021 is turn up the light, and we want you to help us turn up the light. After this service, if you'll stop by the Welcome Center, we have a bookmark as a reminder to pray and as a reminder to work with us by speaking life. Speak this stuff that you know every chance that you get. I'd like for us to close with a prayer, and I'm going to use 1 Peter 3.15. Father, creator, and giver of life, in our hearts, may we always revere Christ as Lord. May we always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in us. But let us do this with gentleness and respect. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Nancy. We're so thankful to have something like this around in our community and I'm praising God for what he's doing at Life Choices and how he's able to use um, some of us here at first, too, to help with that mission. Um, if you'll stand with us, we're going to sing a song that we introduced last week during the invitation. And um, what I love about the song is, like, it's, it's earnesty and prayer to just ask God to meet with us. So as we prepare to listen to the word, I just hope that you'll be praying that the Lord will help you limit distractions and that you'll be fully present here with him. Not in 
thank you for this time of worship together. Lord, I pray that you just be with us as we continue to worship by the listening of your word. God, I pray that you just come into our minds and hearts and limit any distractions that might be keeping us from listening to what you have to say to us today. Lord, I pray that you just be with Dr. Cox as he delivers the word. May your spirit, spirit be with him and may your spirit speak to us. It's in your precious and holy name I pray. Morning. It's good to see you. Good to worship with you. Thank you uh, to uh, these worship leaders who have led us. I want to begin by sharing with you a brief uh, finish line report. If you're new to our church, finish line is a three-year capital giving campaign that our church has been a part of since June of 2018. People in our church have committed to give above their regular tithes and offerings. So a tithe ought to go to God through the church. But above that, some people have given free will offerings, made a sacrificial commitment for three years. So we're uh, just six months from the end of this, and I want to report on to you where we are. purpose of this campaign has been to pay off our building loan. Several years ago, we borrowed $2.4 million to double the size of our facilities and double our parking, bought and moved nine houses over this period of time to increase our parking. And uh, so we've been paying that off, and I, I want to share with you where we are. So let me just back up and share the progress we've made over the last year. So uh, in March, I gave you a finish line report, March the 1st, and we just broken through the $400,000 mark. So this is how much we have left to pay of the $2.4 million, and we just crashed through the $400,000 barrier last March. We owed just under $400,000. Then in June the 1st, I gave you a report, and we crashed through that $300,000 barrier. Uh, we owed just under $300,000. And then in October 1st, I gave you a report last, and we just went below 200000 October 1st. Would you like to guess where we are today? Let's see how much is left. Here we go. We're under the $100,000 mark. So we praise God and thank you for your generous giving. So the next report I bring you about this will be the zero report. That'll be great, won't it? So at our current pace, if we continue, it'll be just in a few months. We're so excited. Thank you for that. Now there's one final part to finish line, even after we pay this off. The last part is uh, to finish our parking. And uh, so we have new property over here on this side of our church, and we're going to complete that into parking. 
5% of what you give right now goes into that. After we've paid it off, 100% will go to that and we'll finish that. But thank you so much for your giving. I just want to give glory to God and encourage you in that and celebrate that together. I have some things on my heart I'd like to pray about. And so if you'll allow me, we're going to pray once more. Let me lead us in prayer if we may. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for Jesus, your son whom you sent to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins that we could be right with you, headed to heaven, having hope and joy and peace. Oh God, thank you. We come to pray about some things. First of all, I want to pray about the coronavirus, this pandemic. I pray for those who are suffering. I pray for people who are suffering physically, emotionally, financially. I know senior adults in our church family that are in nursing homes or assisted living facilities, and they're in isolation. They haven't seen their family in a long time. That's lonely, Lord. And I pray that you would just encourage them and be with them today. I pray uh, for Todd Green, our worship pastor. Thank you that he is much better. I pray you'll help him to fully recover, him and his family. And we thank you for grace there. And so like many others, we pray for them right now. Father, on this Martin Luther King Day weekend, uh, we want to pause and I want to pray that you will help us to love people of every race and ethnicity, to be kind to one another, to remember that you are no respecter of persons, that is, you do not show favoritism, and help us to be like you, I pray. Father, uh, on this weekend of Sanctity of Human Life Day, as we've just heard and in recognition of that Supreme Court decision in 1973 on this date that in effect legalized abortion, we pray, Lord, that our culture would change and we would value human life. Forgive us when you send us good gifts and we devalue them. I pray for a day when human abortion will be as unthinkable as human slavery is. Lord, we it's hard for us to imagine now on this Martin Luther King Day weekend that it was a day when people thought it right to have others as slaves. May there come a day soon when it's unthinkable that we would kill unborn children. Oh God, I pray. Father, on this weekend, I pray for our students as we have heard a hundred people from our church. Oh God, we're so grateful for that. Be with Tim Hensick, adult leaders who've given up their weekend. I pray you'll change lives of these students. I pray you give them a safe return tomorrow. Father, as we this week will have the inauguration of a new president, we pray for our country in this tumultuous time. We pray for a smooth transition of power. We pray there'll be no violence. Father, I want to pause and pray that you would bless Donald Trump and bless Mike Pence and their families. Thank you for the good that was done through their administration, and I pray you bless them. I pray, Lord, in turn, that you will bless Joe Biden and his family and that you'll bless Kamala Harris and her family, and I pray that good will be done through their administration. And we pray for our country, Lord that you will help us as Christians to be voices of truth that is spoken in love and that you will help us not fall prey to the accusatory, inflammatory language of our culture at this point, but that you will help us to model that Christ-like spirit who speaks the truth but speaks it with respect and gentleness and love. Oh God, we pray that in this place today, that change would begin with us. Help us not to think that it is everybody else who is the problem and everybody else needs to change. Help us today to begin to change America by experiencing change in our own lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sharing a series of sermons in the month of January entitled Change. Do you have anything you need to change in your life? My sincere prayer for me, is that I'll take serious this call to change. And for you, 
that you will examine the areas in your life that God would have you to change. So these first three weeks is about changing unwanted behavior. We're going through Romans 6, 7, and 8. So this is the third of a trilogy. You know what a trilogy is. You watch Star Wars, right? Three parts. Uh, so here we go. This is the third part. So let me back up. We're going to look at Romans 8 today. But some of you are here for the first time. We're so glad you're here. Let me remind you of what Romans 6, 7 say because these three go together. This is the full picture about how to change. So first of all, we looked at Romans 6. And Romans 6 says there's two steps to initially change unwanted behavior. If there are things in your life that are destroying you, destroying relationships, you know the way you talk, the way you act, needs to change. The first thing you've got to do, number one, it says die to it. You've got to die to that sin. That means make a complete break. Draw a line in the sand today that you're dead to that, that you're not going to do that again, that you're so serious about it that you die to it. Secondly, that's not all. Not only does there have to be that complete break, but there has to be that you come alive to Jesus and you offer yourself as a servant to Him because you're not able to do this on your own. You've got to have God's help and you've got to be in service to Him. So there's two parts and remember these. They're depicted in your baptism we saw in Romans chapter 6. If you're a Christian, you've been baptized and your baptism shows that you have died to sin and come alive to life. You were put down under water to represent you're in a grave of water. You've been buried with Christ because of your spiritual union with Him. And now you've been raised to a new life in Him. So those two steps you've got to take, die to it, come alive to Jesus, are depicted in your baptism. Here's the verse that sums up Romans chapter 6. It's Romans 6.11. It says, now that you have died to sin, Romans 6.11 says, so consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see the two parts there? You're going to have to now keep reinforcing your baptism reinforcing what's happened to you and count, consider, save you I am dead to that sin even if it keeps cropping up, I'm dead to it and I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, I give myself to you now that's how you begin to change we learned in Romans 7 that even after those important steps those two important steps you're still going to throughout your life as a Christian struggle with temptation the battle is going to be lifelong you can know victory, but there's going to be a lifelong battle. Why? Because in Romans 7 we learned that when you're born, you have a sinful nature. Every one of us has a sinful nature that desires to do evil. But when you're born again, when you become a Christian, you get a new nature. There's a new you that desires to please God. So now there's two natures within you as a Christian. And they are in opposition to one another. There is a battle in your life between the two natures. And the way you achieve victory is you starve that old nature and you feed that new nature. Strengthen the new nature, weaken the old. It's never going to go completely away until your glorification. But it can be dominated by the new nature. So here's two verses that summarize Romans 7. Don't you wish I'd preach these sermons just about this length? and you could? Anyway, Romans 7. For in my inner self I delight in God's law. So there's that new, delighting in God's law. And the next verse says, But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. So there's that spiritual struggle. You just need to be aware of that, and you keep feeding that new nature. Don't give that old nature any sustenance, any nourishment, and you can achieve victory. Now, Romans 8, third part of the trilogy, completes the picture. Here's what we learn in Romans 8. In this battle described in Romans 7, you don't have to do it alone. There's help available to you. You have a powerful ally in the battle with sin and temptation in your Christian life in the person of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 is all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is only mentioned four or five times in the first seven chapters of Romans, but 21 times in Romans 8, 1 through 27. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Let me read the first two verses to you to give you that introduction. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that good to know? 
If you're in Christ Jesus, you're not going to hell. If you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to worry about judgment day because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what I would do if I were you? I would get in Christ Jesus because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Now, based on that, the next verse says, because the law of the Spirit, here's the key, what this chapter is about, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what we're going to see here is, this is an encouraging chapter, you're going to go through this battle that Romans 7 has talked about, but you're not alone in it. You need to be encouraged today. You're, you're trying to change some things that are deep-rooted in your life, addictions maybe even, patterns of talking, that patterns of behaving that you've learned from your, your, your dad, and, and you're just you're continuing that cycle, and you want to break that cycle, and you don't know how to break it. Let me give you some encouragement. You're not alone. It may be tough to change some behaviors, some actions, some way of talking, but you can because the Holy Spirit is your ally. And you have the help of the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. Well, how do you, how do you get, how do you have this help of the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit already lives in you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit already lives in you. Let's jump down to the middle of the chapter to get that truth, and we'll sort of back up. So let's jump down to Romans 8, verses 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's a contrast throughout this chapter that you'll see between the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean your physical body. Your physical body's not evil, but it means your old fleshly nature, your old sinful nature. So there's this contrast between the flesh and the spirit. So verse 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You're just living life on your own, just in that old sinful nature. You're never going to please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he does not belong to him. So this verse says, if you're a Christian, the Spirit lives in you. If He doesn't live in you, you don't belong to Him. But if you are a Christian, the Spirit lives in you. See, here's how it happens. To become a Christian, you accept God's gift of grace, of free salvation. The way you accept it is by repentance of your sin. Uh, Lord, I'm going to change if you'll help me. And faith in Jesus. So when you repent and believe in Jesus... This, your, a change happens in your life, you are born again. The Spirit of God rebirths you. You become a new person. You get that new nature we talked about. But the Spirit comes to live in your body. And so when you believe in Christ, you're born again, and the Spirit, this verse says, the word means reside or dwell or be housed in you. The Holy Spirit is housed in you, and He's going to help you become holy because He's the Holy Spirit. It's sort of like, have any of you ever bought a house and moved into it, and then you had to do some work on it? You had to fix it up? Have you ever bought a fixer-upper? Well, you are a fixer-upper. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in you, and then He's going to start fixing you up. He is the, does the work of sanctification. Uh, Cindy and I don't think I've ever bought a fixer-upper. When we first moved to Manchester, before we built the house that we live in now, we put an offer in on a house, uh, but it fell through. But that house, every room, every room was painted light pink. And I said to Cindy, this is a nice house, but if we buy this house... The first thing we've got to do is change that paint color. I can't live in a pink house where every room is pink. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes in you when you get saved. And He lives there. He stays. He's going to stay. He dwells. He resides. He's housed in you. But He's the Holy Spirit. And He's going to fix you up. That's His work, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just you doing this, it's Him. Let me show you how much power that is. Verse 11, look at verse 11. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and we've seen that every believer he does, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So that's the amount of power the Holy Spirit has. He raised Jesus from the dead. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, the tomb could not hold him, the grave could not hold him, came back alive. And what this verse is saying is that same resurrection power lives in you. That ought to encourage you. You think your, your problem is big. You think that your uh, behavior is hard to change. Yes, but there is resurrection power living in you. Be encouraged by that. Now, what you and I have to do is cooperate with the Holy Spirit and not work against him, right? So he's moved into you, he's living there, he wants to change you, he's going to work to do that. But what if you bought a fixer-upper and you and your wife were not on the same page and one day you painted a wall and then you came home and she had torn that wall out. We need to make this room bigger. Well, you, and, and then you said, we're going to put carpet down and she came home and she tore that out. Well, we decided we wanted hardwood. You'd say, we got to get on the same page here, we're working against each other. That's you. The Holy Spirit is in you now. He's the Holy Spirit. He's going to change you. What you've got to do is cooperate with Him, right? Because He's got resurrection power. How do you cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Let me show you three verbs throughout this chapter that speak of our role and how we can cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit as He's seeking to change behaviors in our life. Number one, walk according to the Spirit. First verb is walk. That sort of, they sort of overlap. But together they show us how we can cooperate with the Spirit. And the first one is walk according to the Spirit. Let me read verses 3 and 4. First of all, verse 3 is about what Jesus has done. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. So you couldn't change yourself through the law, but through God could do it. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. So God laid the foundation for you to change what you couldn't do on your own. He did by sending Jesus to come as a human. He didn't sin, but he was in the likeness of sinful flesh so that he could be a sin offering so he could die for us. Now the next verse says in verse 4, In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the first thing that we're to do to cooperate with the work of the Spirit is to walk according to the Spirit. Now that's very encouraging to me. If he'd have said run according to the Spirit, I thought I might not could do that. But walk according to the Spirit, I can do that. What do you do to walk with somebody? If you're going to walk with somebody, what do you do? Well, you just turn in the direction they're going and start moving, right? Isn't that what walking with somebody is? Get lined up with the way they're going and start moving. You want to change your life? Here's what you do on an ongoing basis. As you've died to it and you've come alive to Jesus, you know you're in a battle, now line up with the Spirit and get moving. These things may seem so big, I don't, I don't know if I can overcome this. You take that one step. Are you going in the same direction? Are you, are you pulling against Him? Get lined up with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's trying to make you holy. Line up with Him and then just take a step. It's a daily thing. It's a walk. It's the Christian walk every day. Spirit, I need your help. I want to make sure I'm lined up with you and I'm just going to keep moving. I don't know if I can overcome this. I don't know if I can be different than my, my generations have been before me. You, but I'm going to take that step and I'm going to walk with you. Do you get it? That daily, incremental, step-by-step step kind of way that you walk with the Spirit. Let me share you with you a second verb. tells how you cooperate with the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Look at verse 5 and following. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's unable to do so. Do you hear this emphasis on your mind? You may have thought that the Holy Spirit only relates to your emotions, and I feel something of God. But the Holy Spirit relates to your mind as well. And if you're going to change behavior, it says 
Don't set your mind on the things of the flesh, but set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Your thought life is going to be key here. What are, what are you thinking about? Are you, are that, that house that the Spirit's trying to fix up, are you bringing garbage in and dumping it out in the living room? That's working against it, right? Don't be bringing garbage into your mind. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. So how, what your thought life is. Now, you can't choose every thought that comes into your mind, but you can choose how you set your mind, the direction of your thoughts. And you set your mind in that direction. Now you say, well, does this mean I'm supposed to think about church all the time, think about religious stuff all the time? No, it's not that you think about that all the time, but you think about everything through that lens. Here's one reason why today I'm reading the Christian Standard Bible translation, because I think it's the best translation of what's talking about, verse 6, the mindset of the Spirit or the worldview of the Spirit, or the outlook of the Spirit. So you have a Spirit outlook on everything you think about. Not that you're thinking about church all the time, but as you're thinking about everything, you're guided by the Spirit. Let me explain it this way. I'm wearing glasses, and I see everything through these glasses. I don't look at the glasses. I look through the glasses. I don't even often even think about my glasses, but they affect how I see everything. That's what we're talking about here. To set your mind according to the Spirit, have the mindset of the Spirit means that you think about everything from a Spirit-guided perspective. So that you think about family and work and money and food and football and sex and everything through the mindset of the Spirit. <clears throat> it doesn't mean you think about church all that, but it means that you have that God vision of everything. God, what would your will, what would you have me do? That's the mindset of the Spirit. Uh, shooters wear, sometimes wear yellow glasses because a yellow lens filters out blue light, which increases contrast when you filter it out and you can see a target more clearly. So they're looking at things through that lens. Fishermen sometimes wear polarized lenses. Because a polarized lens removes the glare, cuts the glare from reflected light on water, and you can see in water better. Christians wear spirit lenses, that our mindset of the spirit, that we would try to look at everything through the spirit. Would you take that challenge in every day in your life? Holy Spirit, how would you have me to see this situation and how I'm to respond? How would you have me act here? That's the mindset of the Spirit. If you want to cooperate with Him, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. The third verb is to be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. Verse 14, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. So to be led, you've got to yield. You know what the biggest obstacle to you having the help of the Holy Spirit? It's you. We think we know better, and you got to yield. You ever seen somebody walking a dog, especially a bigger dog, on a leash, and you weren't sure if the person was walking the dog or the dog was walking the person, you know? And they didn't want to be led. They had a direction they wanted to go that was opposed to the person who was trying to, to lead them. You ever seen that? Isn't that sometimes how we are? The Spirit wants to lead you into life, and He wants to lead you into blessing, and He wants to lead you into good things. Would you, would you be led by the Spirit? Would you yield today to Him? I, I want to invite you to pray these prayers today, now. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you, would you right now in your heart just pray this? First of all, maybe you're not a Christian. You've not personally put your faith in Jesus Christ, been born again, received the gift of the Spirit. You can do that today. Would you just pray right now? Oh, Jesus, I believe you're God's Son. I put my faith in you for my salvation. I follow you as Lord of my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, come into my life. I invite you in. Would you pray that right now?
He'll come into your life and set up residence there with resurrection power. And if you're already a believer, then would you pray right now? You're dealing with some things you need to change. Oh, Holy Spirit, I want to walk with you. I don't know if I can change this, but I'll turn in your direction and I'll start moving. Oh, Spirit, I want to walk. Would you pray, oh, Spirit, I want your mind set. I won't put bad things in my mind. I'll put pure things in my mind and I want to have the vision where I see my life according to your lens. Would you pray right now, oh Spirit, I yield where I have been working against you. Out of stubbornness and pride, I yield to you. I want to be led by you. Would you pray that right now? You want to change? Here's what you got to do. Die to your unwanted behavior. Come alive to Jesus. Be baptized as a symbol that that's happened. Fight the battle. Strengthen the new nature. Starve the old nature. With the power and the help of the Holy Spirit as you walk with Him and set your mind on Him and are led by Him. That's how you can change unwanted behavior. After our service uh, today, I'll be at the Welcome Center. Today, if you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior, next Sunday we're having baptism. At least one person going to be baptized next Sunday. You could join them next Sunday if that's a good time for you. Just come by and see me at the Welcome Center right up this way to my left going out. And we'll plan for your baptism. If you have other questions, I'll try to answer those. If uh, you want to join our church, can also meet me there. Maybe you already are a believer. You've already been baptized, but you're not a member of a church. Your membership's somewhere else. It's doing you no good there. You need to be, needs to be where you are, where you can serve, and we'd welcome you into our church. Just meet me there. We'd help you with that. Um, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of the guest. Thank you for coming. God bless you. All right, if you'll stand with us and we'll worship together. Open wide, forgiveness. 
sin to God that he can restore and forgive us but as we've learned today we carry the spirit of Christ in us we are his sanctuary so we can do this anywhere anytime we can bring our burdens to Christ and through the Holy Spirit and and he can forgive us and restore us so uh, as we uh, keep in walk with the spirit and we keep our mindset on the spirit and we are led by the spirit hopefully God can continue to help us grow and make these changes in our lives and be more like him I want to encourage you to uh, uh, check out the, the announcements in your Worship God bulletin there uh, to let you know about the CDB classes happening on Wednesday nights. Hope you can be a part of those. Uh, lots of great things going on. Continue to pray for the students that are wrapping up their weekend uh, in the morning. And uh, we just have so much to be thankful for and glad to be together in worship. Let's pray and don't forget about your offerings as you leave as an act of worship. Father God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy for us. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit uh, resides in uh, us as believers, God. I pray that you would just continue to help us make room for you to let you transform us from the inside out. Help us walk in the Spirit. Help us be led by the Spirit. Help us see uh, your world through the, through the lens of the Spirit so that we can uh, continue to glorify you and give you praise in everything we do. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sending your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. 